Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, John Schwab here from Curtain Call. Welcome to episode 144 of the Curtain Call Theater Podcast, the podcast that brings you backstage as close as you possibly can be, often while the shows are actually happening, to meet the people that make theater happen. Just a quick reminder that you can download and subscribe to the podcast from the Apple Podcast app or from iTunes. That way your feed will be automatically updated when we release a new episode. But you can also listen to us on many other fine podcast streaming services such as Stitcher and Google Play and iHeartRadio and all kinds of others. Please rate and review our podcast on any of those platforms if you have a spare 30 seconds um, when you rate and review. Don't know how algorithms work across the board, but the more you do that, the more people discover us, the more people listen to us. It's all good. I thank you in advance. Now, for this week's episode. How many listeners out there have seen War Horse or The Lion King or Avenue Q or The Grinning Man recently or any Ardman project in the past ever? Many of you, I would imagine. And what do they all have in common? Puppetry. Now, puppetry has been a stable in theater at... Now, puppetry has been a staple element in theater pretty much as long as there has been theater, and that is, you know, globally. But the advent of massive theater shows, especially in the case of the first two of the aforementioned shows, they've taken puppetry to a whole new level. And after coming across some of the art and video on social media that Jimmy Grimes was posting, I had to get in touch with him to see if he'd be up for chatting with me about his craft, his journey, everything else. And I had no idea how how fascinating and interesting his journey would be and how crazy, circuitous, everything else. Like, it's, it's not a straight road, his, his journey. And puppetry was never an avenue that he thought he'd go down in theater, but that is where he has landed and where he's definitely making a name for himself with his company, Brunskill & Grimes, which he runs with his collaborator and business partner, Andy Brunskill. It's a fascinating insight and uh, enough for me. Have a listen. sitting up in the uh, Arts Cabaret Club uh, on a Thursday afternoon, man. Um, I'm 
Jimmy. Yes. Jimmy Grimes. Yes. What a great name, first of all. Uh, it's got better with age, I think. Yeah, has it? I think when I was a kid, I wasn't as impressed by it, but now I'm kind of, kind of uh, grown on me. Now. It's really good. Well, listen, uh, this is kind of an out-of-the-blue um, you know, podcast record. I saw something that you were posting online uh, on Twitter that somebody had reposted and went, uh, you know, listen, first of all, uh, like uh, a massive um, puppetry fan in in the theater like I just think it brings so much and that's what you were I saw this thing that you were doing you were you know promoting a workshop that you do and we're going to get onto that um, but that's kind of what has aroused my um, piqued my interest should we say and I was like oh my god I'd love to talk to somebody who who designs and makes and creates puppetry for theater because I it's just a massive thing for me I, yeah. I love it when I see it and it's used effectively Absolutely, it's great yeah. I mean there are the obvious things like like War Horse. Yep. Recently, Grinning Man, which is a, yeah, used right. a, a fantastic bit of yep, puppetry. Yep. You know, uh, the most recent thing I saw, which was it was so 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 effective. But also Life of Pi yep, is coming out. Yeah. All these all these wonderful things where where now people are accepting. And I think War Horse has a massive part to play in that. But let's just I would like to talk about your origin story, Jimmy, and where you know what got you interested because it is a niche. Like Absolutely. it's not you know you can love theater, but going into theater, but also then kind of going well. Puppetry in theater is very, very niche. But um, tell me, how you what, what made you choose it, and why you got into it? Yeah, I think it's it's, it's quite clear for me. And I started as an actor. I okay. kind of fell into that quite young, you know, through youth theater. Yeah. And ended up working with a, a, a theater company. And at the right time, they were sort of growing from youth work to work with professional actors and younger casts. Yeah. And so that sort of took me through my twenties um, until I got to a point where I thought. Actually, I'm not sure if acting is actually the thing I, yeah. I want to do, but I, I got an awful lot from it um, and learned so much from it. Um, but when I was a kid, uh, I was obsessed with animation. I was obsessed with the Ray Harryhausen films, ah, Jason nice. and the Argonauts. Yeah, Arts. yeah, yeah. Uh, that was absolutely uh, sort of tickled my eyeballs from a very young age. And That's then the physical and animation. Like, yeah, it yeah. is. It's, it's stop motion, so yeah. stop frame. So um, uh, animation uh, like Hardman Studios, so Wallace and Gromit, that came along to me when I was about 12. Hmm. And by then I was making plasticine people. Yeah. Um, so that, that was an obsession, really, and it carried on right through my teens, into my 20s. I, I bought every book I could on animation hmm. theory. I was always trying to do it um, in my own time as a little hobby, really. Mm. Um, and then eventually I, I got to um, create a bit of, uh, well, it was a youth theatre production, and we decided to play with a puppet. Yeah. It's a sort of fantasy myth story. Um, and so I made a very basic papier-mâché puppet. Yeah. Nothing, nothing good, nothing special about it. Yeah. Um, and it was the night before the workshop when I was going back into rehearse with these young people. And I thought, oh, God. I don't know how, I mean, I had a kind of idea of how I could make it like look good and yeah. look like it was alive, but I, I felt like I needed a structure to teach them, you know, kind of uh, principles and rules. Okay. I've, I've kind of got a thing for, in my work, not necessarily in real life, but in, in my work, I really like testing principles and seeing how far they run. Yeah, um, yeah. It just gives me a structure to work with, I think. Um, so the night before, I got all my animation books out. Yeah. It's an amazing animation book by a guy called Richard Williams, who um, sadly passed away uh, not, not too long ago. Um, but it's the Animator's uh, Survival Guide, I think it's okay. called. I had that at the time, and uh, and I was pouring through it, and I just picked out a handful of principles that are kind of key lessons that animators learn when they're starting. Um, and I thought, oh wait a minute, that that feels like it's something we could do in real time, mm. you know, with live with a puppet. That's an exercise we could try. Yeah. Um, so a really obvious one is like uh, a bouncing ball. So when you first start animating, it's something that you have to learn about. And it's about stretch and squash. 
um, and it gives you an idea of making something feel tangible and real and having weight and, and so on and mass so um, things like that I took them into the, the rehearsal the next day and had a little play with these young people and it seemed to work and I thought alright oh, cool this is this kind of happening it yeah. kind of looks good yeah. and obviously I had a long way to go before um, I could really sort of understand the intricacies of puppetry but it was a really good place to begin and, and it gave me a, a structure to continue pushing my own explorations mm. um, so then I, I stopped acting I, I went to drama school for a year to do a directing course at Lambda yeah. didn't really know if I wanted to direct but yeah. I thought I was kind of unemployable really I didn't really know what the hell else to do with myself well, that, but that's good you were finding out what you did want to do yeah and I thought you know what if I spend a year at drama school doing something related to what I do I've directed youth theatres yeah. I've directed short films you know I've, I've devised as an actor it'll yeah. be interesting and who knows yeah. so I met some um, some good people along the way there some uh, handful of good actors who gave me a chance also to play around with puppets with them and there was no puppetry at Lambda it wasn't part yeah. of the course um, and so I carried on sort of exploring it there and then I was an, uh, an assistant director, a trainee director at the Orange Tree Theatre. Okay. And again, while I was there, that was, you know, that was part of the sort of ladder of becoming a director. Yeah. I was a trainee there. It's a great, great theatre. And I was that. terrible as an assistant. <laughs> I was absolutely appalling. I'll hold my hands up. Uh, Sam Walters was the artistic director. Okay, at the it wasn't time. Paul Miller yet. Yeah. Uh, not quite, no. <laughs> but I was, I was an appalling assistant. Um, couldn't concentrate. And I think also. Um, and, and the reason I'm in puppetry, I, I, I'm interested in visual, very strong visual storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously, um, you know, that's not, not every theatre's cup of tea. Um, but again, while I was there, I was, I was playing around with puppets. Yeah. And so people would come and say to me, oh, are you, are you the puppet guy? <laughs> and I was still a bit uncomfortable with it. Yeah, so I was like, well, yeah. I'm not really. And I'd say, oh, well, I'm a director, but, yeah. you know. Um, and then the sort of turning point where I then started taking it very seriously, I started attending other workshops and training and trying to really push myself was, um, as you do as a, an assistant director or a trainee director, someone trying to make it as a director up that ladder, uh, I wrote to... So Michael Grandage, uh, at the time while I was a trainee at the Orange yeah. Tree, um, he was running the Donmar. And of course, the thing you're supposed to do as a young director um, is write to these right. big directors How and, many and introduce yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I wrote to him and you know tried to sort of find a way of making a connection. You know, he was an actor originally, became a director. I'd yeah. been an actor. You know, you you try and find your <laughs> bleak and, and obscure connection to yeah. try and have some sort of. Um, chance at a meeting but gladly Michael Grandage at the time was quite generous he used to do quite a lot of meetings with young directors he'd let mm. come and have half an hour and have a chat to you so um, he invited me in and I went to meet him at the Donmar and it was, it was an interesting moment because he said to me look I have so many young directors coming in mm. a lot of them pick the same books off the shelves at Waterstones um, they seem to come out of the womb wanting to direct yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm not really sure why why do you want to direct yeah. you know what makes you feel that one, you want to, and two, that you be any good at it. Yeah. Um, and why would you want to direct this particular play? Yeah. What are you going to bring to it? And it was an amazing um, sort of clarification in a sense because it, it, it did very much make me think that whether or not it was the best thing to do career-wise or money-wise, um, it embedded an idea that I shouldn't take on projects that I didn't feel I could really bring something 100%, to. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and I think that's it's increasingly important. Actually, um, you know, in terms of the, the politics and and uh, areas of diversity at the moment, yeah. um, it's it's even more clear in my yeah, mind. Yeah. I wouldn't take on a play that tells a story that yeah. I I definitely don't feel I had a way into. Yeah, of course. Of course, I can facilitate other artists. Yep. But. <clears throat> I just don't feel compelled to do something that I don't feel I can bring something strong to myself yeah. to then, you know, offer. Well, to you have to, to have that why. You have to know the yeah. the why of you come in for a for the production and and um, and, and if it's not if it's not something that you're going to sit with comfortably for the yeah. next year, 
Yeah, really, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Don't. And it don't. might just be, you know, even if it is just a big question. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to know everything about it. No, of but, course. But it definitely implanted an idea of, you know, asking yourself why, why you really want to do it. Um, to be honest, that's never been a huge problem for me because most of the ideas I'm drawn to, I have a feverish excitement about. Yeah. Um, but um, it was a good moment. But he then he turned and he said to me, "Listen, um, uh, I, I started banging on." said why you know why are you why directing and I start I slipped into puppetry yeah now I wasn't supposed to do that because I was going for this I wanted to assist Michael Grandage yeah. at Dogma um, but I slipped into puppetry mode and I couldn't help it yeah. and my enthusiasm for it just uh, raged on yeah and so by the end of it he said uh, listen um, I, obviously I don't know you I don't yeah. know what's true what's not yeah. but if I take you at your word it sounds like you're quite good at something yeah. um, that you've got a real enthusiasm for it and it's quite a unique thing yeah and he said if I were you um, I would pursue that pursue that ruthlessly yeah focus on that um, and if further down the line you end up moving away from puppetry you will have developed ideas about yeah. yourself your creative side you will have made contacts perhaps um, you would have developed maybe a body of work or some ideas and um, and that's progress yeah and so I thanked him I left the meeting and I was sort of still in the you know assistant director sort of mind so I was like oh, damn did I'm, I blow I'm, that I am not gonna he's never <laughs> gonna employ that weird yeah. puppet guy yeah um, uh, but then in the weeks that followed, um, it really sort of started to settle in. And um, I thought, no, I, I really don't think I am an assistant director. I don't think that's how I'm going to end up directing shows. Yeah. Um, I had a, um, three other uh, directors on the course of me at Lambda who are all excellent directors in their own right. Yeah. Um, and have got real unique tastes and, and qualities about them. Um, but they're all also very able to apply themselves as yeah. assistants, you know. Yeah. And they've and they've gone on and, and moved in their careers in some really amazing ways. But but I, I realised that it definitely wasn't something I was applying myself very well in. And so I just jumped on with the puppetry. And um, and at that point, I was like, right, I think I know how I work with puppets. Yeah. But I need to know how. I, I want to learn more. And there's a limit to how much I can learn on my own. You know, I've I've pushed myself. I've pushed my own ideas mm. of, of how to approach it. I've seen some results. Who's good? Who's good out there? Yeah. And so the two companies at that time, and I'm sure there were many, many others, but the, the ones that were sort of most immediately in reach yeah. were Handspring, yeah. who just uh, had Warhorse. I'd seen that on the West End. Yeah. Um, and then Blind Summit. Yeah. Um, and Blind Summit were running workshops. Um, Handspring had Warhorse, so I started writing to these people. Um, I went to a Blind Summit workshop. Again, that was another opportunity for me to see uh, people who applied very, very clear principles and approaches to puppetry. That really sort of made sense to me. Um, I learned a lot in that first workshop, and it also helped me to frame my own thoughts. Yeah. Um, um, and then I wrote to Warhorse uh, for a job they were offering for an assistant, a puppetry assistant. Yeah. Didn't get seen for that. Um, so then I was in a point where I was like, right, no one's going to take me seriously in puppetry yet because I've just done my own little thing yeah. haven't built up a body of work haven't done these impressive little shows that have gone around no one's going to take me seriously I need to just like hammer out some work I need to do anything I can to at least be noticed enough to, to be given an opportunity create some noise um, yeah just do and do and also I, I love learning I yeah. love you know I was terrible at school but give me something that I, I get interested in and I've got to learn how to do it then then I'll apply yeah. myself so for that next year I had mates doing little shows and they'd say oh mate can you do a, can you make us a little puppet how much would it cost and you know uh, back then I would just spend any of my own money, yeah. own money on it doing it working overnight whatever um, and then Les Enfants Terribles and forgive my French right. no, that's fine. Uh, yeah. but they had this award it was their first uh, award I think it's the Les Enfants Terribles yeah. award um, it was the first one um, and it was basically to give a young company or artist 
a chance to go to Edinburgh. Right. And it would give you a thousand pounds, and obviously they were very experienced in taking shows to Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. So you had their support and structure and help with marketing and so on. Yeah. So uh, I applied for it and uh, did this little short bit of puppetry, 10, 15 minutes with a couple of actors I'd worked with at Lambda. Yeah. And we won the award. Nice. So we took the show up to Edinburgh. It wasn't my best piece of work, but it was a little moment, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, a moment yeah, yeah. of creativity that I'll, yeah. you know, I'll always sort of be pleased with. Um, and and then Warhorse came round again. Yeah. And the job came up again, and I applied again. By that again. point, you had that point. I'd done a bit more. Yes, I'd just yeah. done a bit more, and 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 that may not have been the reason. You know, there may have been many other reasons well, listen, that I didn't initially get it, but I'd put some more time in. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, you were you were right at the right time for the right project for the right you know and, that, exactly. and listen Things. what I really get from that is like I love the fact that, you, that a no wasn't a no like it wasn't you, no. it, it was just like okay it's come around again I'm not gonna not go for it because they had say yes last time absolutely you know yeah and I've never had a I mean you can probably tell a, a, I'm, I'm ambitious in terms of my energy yeah. my drive and, and wanting to do things put something in front of me and I'll dive on it yeah. with a huge ambition um, in terms of a plan and an ambition for mm. what I need to achieve. Yeah, it, it's never been very long, um, sort of uh, looking very far ahead. Yeah, I've always wanted to like, you know, of course I want to work. Have a goal. I want to make yeah, bigger yeah. and bigger shows yeah, with course. bigger budgets and cooler artists. Yeah. but um, or really cool, intense small shows that um, we can do because you know you've built up enough reputation yeah. that you can take a chance on something. But so I've tell never me, had a clear idea. Tell me about Warhorse then, and how that kind of. Um, uh, contributed to where you yeah. you are now because that's obviously I mean Warhorse was one of the big shows. Yeah, it was a game changer. Um, it was a game changer. Yeah. It was a massive at the National. Transferred to the New London, which is now Jillian Lynn, obviously. Yeah. But and it and it ran for Asia and it's gone all over the world. It yeah, tours to China. It tours, it tours globally yeah, because in Australia right yeah, now, Australia. Think, yeah. That's right. It never stops, <laughs> and the no, puppetry in that is off the charts. Mm. Good and. And um, how how did that help you grow as both a puppeteer, but also brought you know in your scope of what you could achieve in your in your domain? It was it was instrumental, and in, I mean it, it it was the moment really, or the, the three year moment um, yeah. that uh, I I can't really say enough about. Um, first of all, um, I'd seen. Um, uh, Finn Caldwell and Toby Earlier, I'd seen them around in the puppet scene, seen right. that they'd been in some amazing work, seen bits of, of the work they'd done. They now run uh, Gyron Gimbal, who created uh, the puppetry for, uh, what was the show you mentioned earlier? Grinning on? Man. Grinning Man. Yeah. Uh, they're doing some amazing work. Yeah. Now, Finn and Toby, who were sort of original Warhorse puppeteers, uh, by that time were associate puppet directors on the show. Um, and I went and had my interview with them. Uh, so of course I walk in the room and I'm looking at the two guys who are kind of like, in my view, mm. you know, and I don't know the, the entire world of puppetry, but certainly in the world I was sat in, they were, you know, they were up there. Um, and they interviewed me um, and and they gave me the job. And so I went in as a puppet assistant. Now it was a very, um, at that time, at that point, they weren't looking for someone to come in and like take hold of the puppetry yeah. and direct it. You know, they had some amazing associate mm -hmm. puppet directors. Um, obviously you've got the original creatives, Handspring. Also, the cast was full of amazing puppeteers who'd been in the show. You know, they knew tons. They, they didn't yeah. need me coming in and <laughs> cracking a whip or yeah. something. Um, but it was going in to support the process of, 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 of the show and, and liaise with um, physio mm. and do the horse schedules yeah. and, and a bit of noting and watching the show. Yeah, I mean, for those of you who don't know, I mean, Wars, you talked about physio. Why do you need physio doing puppetry? Because 
you, I've never seen puppetry like it. Yeah. And, and won't, I imagine, for a while. But I'd imagine physio is a massive part of puppetry, but even with smaller puppets. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, War Horses, you can see it clearly because you, you're watching the physical strain of it. I mean, yeah. it's very hard. You can't move those horses around without an awful lot of both puppetry training, but also the physical conditioning yeah. that's, that's required to really be in control of it. Um, and they take the physio, I think over the years the show developed, they they learned more and more about the demands of the show and, and the way the physiotherapy and the physio staff work um, developed. Um, but while we were there, we had two physios in the building and the puppeteers were constantly going in. Um, and even if they weren't having any problems, it was a constant um, assessing and looking forward and maintaining their bodies and the way they work. Um, so it was an amazing um, world to go into uh, where the puppetry was given so much focus. Um, it was it was absolutely central to everything. Yeah. Um, and I went in and, and over time, um, becoming more and more familiar with the show, uh, taking on more responsibility with the show. Also, I couldn't help it, um, you know, when I was left to look after it, and if I have a puppeteer coming up to me and saying, oh yeah, I'm not sure about this moment here, or having a bit of trouble with this here, or, or can we have a chat about, you know, particular move or sequence yeah. or story beat? Um, and so I'd love to sort of have a chat about that. Um, and, and the puppeteers are given a lot of freedom. Uh, it's not choreographed as a show. The only moments that are kind of choreographed are kind of like um, technical or sort of almost stage combat safety yeah. stuff, uh, where they've got a time with moving revolves and shutters or, you know, horses are going to yeah. glide and things yeah. like that. So apart from that, they're acting. Yeah. And they're improvising beat to beat within a structure that they know the story mm -hmm. of, like an actor. Yeah, um, yeah. And, um, but what that meant was that if a puppeteer came and said, look, I've just had this little idea, uh, I wonder if we might just try it. And so, um, you know, the show allowed and the creators allowed that freedom. Oh, so great. then we'd, we'd hook up, you know, we'd get in a little bit early, yeah. we might jump in horse in during the warm up or after the warm up, and we'd have a little look at the move or yeah. look at an idea, you know, and we'd have a play with it. And, and that grew and grew and then I, I was um, through the rehearsals for my first cast mm -hmm. so I had more of a relationship with my first cast um, learnt alongside them um, so I was given much more experience in the show um, uh, Tommy Luther was the yeah. puppet director that I was assisting at that point and over three years um, basically I became an associate um, right. where I knew the show well enough I could train puppeteers in it Amazing. Um, but I think there are two things if, if um, three things I would say that that show did for me that right now I can conclusively sort of totally yeah. uh, point at. Um, first one was coming out of Warhorse and yeah. having you know, become a maker of puppets as well as a director of puppets. You know, a name like that, it's of course yeah. going to give you an awful lot of credit. And perhaps, you know, uh, there's a chance at moments uh, more credit than I was due. You know, people were looking at me assuming I could build puppets <laughs> like Warhorse puppets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and. Uh, and so I had to rise to certain challenges and, and I've learned a lot Great. along the way. But that, that, that show um, certainly gave me an opportunity to be offered work. Um, and that's you know, undeniable. Uh, it gives you, you know, credit, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, of course. Um, but the other two things that I guess creatively and, and things that I have taken into my work and, and continued are that while I was there, even though I was there to be um, directing or, or, mm -hmm. or overseeing the show um, for the puppets, Pretty much every day I was in contact with the puppet technicians. And now he'll, he's a very quiet guy uh, and he'll probably be embarrassed to let me mention his name, but David Couchy, um, uh, everyone on Warhorse at yeah. uh, the New London will know who he is. He was puppet technician, one of a handful of puppet technicians, yeah. but he was the one I, I spoke to probably most often. Um, and he would be working away, fixing a bit of a puppet, re yeah. reproducing an element that w had become weak and needed making maybe more strongly or uh, restringing something. Yeah. You know, 
uh, they have sets of spare legs. Puppeteers sometimes smash their legs to bits and yeah. get a little bit heavy with them, or over time things wear and break down. Um, and also there's preventative work. You know, these things are like, um, you know, they're like huge complicated yeah, vehicles. Yeah, of course, they're they're engineering. And, 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 and engineering. beautiful, beautiful pieces of craft that um, that really need that delicate sure. uh, work on. So David Couchy and, and the other technicians would be in this this yeah. little room around the side, um, and I'd go in there and I'd started making puppets. Um, but when I went in, you know, in the first few months, I, I popped in and said, "Oh, um, yeah, I'm just trying to make this this wing. I've never made a wing." Now, yeah. a lot of puppet makers, there's a handful of things that everyone wants to make when they're first starting out. Um, so, blinking eye mechanisms, yeah. moving mouths, um, uh, moving fingers, articulated legs or arms. These are all sort of uh, the go-to things yeah. that you know new puppet makers are like, "Oh, I want to be able to do that." Um, and I was going through that, so I wanted to make these wings, and I had this idea about how I could make them in a way I'd never seen done before. Right. So I went in and spoke to Couchy, and I said, uh, "Trying to do this, but I'm having trouble with, you know, particular joint or something." And and you know, he'd take a moment, he'd just grab a pencil, do a quick sketch on a bit of paper, and say, "Have you tried something like this?" And I'd take that like it was gold dust, yeah. and I'd go back to my house, uh, and overnight I'd have a go at it, or over a couple of days I'd have yeah. a go at it, and then I'd come back in again, and and that. That continued for about three years. Amazing. So it was like having a, a three-year training. Um, and what That's happened incredible. was he, he, it got to a point where I'd come back in and he'd say, um, oh, well, have you tried this? And yeah. I'd say, yeah, I tried that, mate, and it's, it doesn't it work. It doesn't work, yeah. And he'd go, oh, right, okay. So I was throwing a little challenge at him. Yeah. And so we had this, um, this it, was a lovely, it was lovely for me. I yeah. hope it was for him. Um, and it, it gave me the the opportunity and the encouragement to to push my own making um, which is invaluable that's completely um, invaluable and then the other thing that i think yeah. is uh, it, it's almost hard to 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 put words to um but watching the same show for three years with uh, it's the same show yeah it's the same puppets yeah you've got different teams of puppets in um, you've got three different casts over three years, different teams of puppets, but also within a year's contract, people are off, uh, yeah. whether it's holiday or yeah. illness or whatever. And so different teams are mixing with different people. Mm -hmm. Old puppeteers maybe come back and do a little stint to do Just a bit a cover. of cover. Yeah. Yeah. So all that stuff that happens in these big, long yeah. shows. So you're watching for three years these, it's not, I mean, obviously just watching, you know, the same actor do the same yeah. show for three years, you can learn an awful lot from. But watching these puppets be manipulated in storytell in these infinitely diverse ways um, and trying to make sure that you're watching it with the objective in mind of, of clear storytelling. Clear storytelling, Make sure yeah. that as much as they're playing and being creative and enjoying the new combinations of, of, of puppeteers, that they're still delivering the story that, mm. that, that makes sense and that is clear for the audience. Um, I think in terms of a training on the eye, that that was that's kind of uh, invaluable, yeah. um, and it enabled me, I think, to um, develop my own understanding, my own approaches much more. I had to note the show through that time, right? Okay. And so, obviously, you've got noting when it's kind of quite black and white. Yeah. Guys, remember this. <laughs> hey, teams, remember that. Uh, I think you went a bit far with this. Yeah. Or um, if that's other work, you know, let's work on this particular thing. Um, but then it gets to a point where they're trying out new stuff, where they know the puppets better than you do, where they know the story in terms of telling it in a way that you you don't. Um, and so then you really get into these intricate conversations and. Uh, ideas about puppetry and ideas about storytelling and ideas about that particular story or character and so keeping that fresh and going and I you know I must admit over a three-year period you have waves of you know there'd be a month where like the notes are really sort of bubbling yeah. and getting exciting and then you get to a point where you're like I can't 
I can't just write a page of notes for these puppeteers, these actors. Like, I'd just be saying stuff for the point of it. Yeah. Um, like, let them be. Well, sometimes, just let them get on with yeah, the some, job. Sometimes, like, a great note is fantastic show. Mm. Like, fantastic yeah. show. Keep I don't going. Wanna, yeah, keep going. Like, keep just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes when they come to you and they say, did you see the show last night? And, they say, and you say, yeah. And they say, oh, well, I, you know, I, I was, did you see that moment where I did this? And maybe I didn't see it. Yeah. Um, but that you trust... Uh, you trust if it, as long as it didn't stand out and didn't cause major damage to the. As story. long as they were, they didn't go from Morris to doing Annie. You know, right? Yeah, they they, they they did something that was yeah. playful. They did something that they were in, interested in and creatively sort of fueled them and their team and the other actors on stage. Um, so let them let yeah. them play. And I think that was something also that I now take into my work. And I work with Andy Brunskill. We, mm. we worked together. Um, we both had. Uh, I think uh, the show had a big impact on us both. But that the ability to to equip your puppeteers or your actors that you've trained as puppeteers yeah. with the skills have a really clear idea together of the story but then the real magic comes once they're equipped with all that is, is when they it's, start to play and yeah. I think and what well, I always play. end up saying yeah. when, when I'm teaching puppetry is and or even puppet um, well puppet performance is that it, a lot of this stuff does come back to also what makes good acting yeah it is obviously a, an, another discipline but there are so many things about being a creative that once you're empowered to do your job, yeah. once you're you know, given the security and the safety and the structure and you know what you're doing, um, there's a point where you've got to go, right, well, let them, let them get on with it because yeah. that's why they're here. You know, they're good at it. It's brilliant. <laughs> that's great. So you, um, you, you, you kind of did your three, you did your three years on I the inside. I did my time. I did my time, time on Warhorse. And so what, you know, which brings us to kind of what you're doing now. I mean, you're running now workshops. You're working with Andy. You're kind of doing things. You know, you said you're off to Norway. You're, you're teaching workshops. You know, what What did I see on Twitter that kind of got me to reach out and go, I want to talk to you because this sounds like something that isn't, because this is a great skill to put in anybody's yeah, tool bag yeah. as an actor, especially, I mean, there are musicals. Like, I think Avenue Q like, yeah, was yeah, yeah. all about the puppetry yeah. um, and, and, and puppets. You know, what? What is it that uh, you guys are doing now um, and, and where you are at in your career to kind of just carry on that discipline but also reaching out to new people and, and, yeah. and passing it on? Well, it's really important. So, so Andy and I, uh, Brunskill and Grimes is the, the, the sort of title we work under. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and we both work freelance, do other jobs, but um, I guess when we work together, that's where we can really put the focus on the puppetry in a way that, to be honest, most schedules, whether you work well, whatever venue, pick a venue that's creating puppetry at the moment or, or using puppetry in a show, um, unless they've got uh, some sort of magic budget or, yeah. or, or something going on, the likelihood is that they're, the, the puppet teams or the puppet director uh, is unlikely at, <laughs> at start to be given as much time as they would yeah. want to focus on the puppetry yeah, and course. the skills and the performance of it. I've yet to have a show beyond Warhorse uh, and working at some some yep. lovely venues, yep. you know, doing some really nice big shows, but I've yet to have a show where I felt that there was even half the amount of time to yeah. rehearse and work on the puppetry. Yeah, that's kind of that almost almost every department in yeah. any show. And, you know. the, and, and, the, and, the, and the sad thing is, though, that because puppetry is such a... It's, you know, it's funny because it's in fashion, but it's, it's also been in fashion for about 15 years. <laughs> yeah. So it's probably just you know coming in different waves. But it's so popular, people are very quick to look at it as a solution to some visual, you know, we need a dog in the show, or get excited by its potential visually. Um, but the reality is that the amount of time for that to be done in the way that, that I would like to do it, yeah. um, it, it's very rare to have that. When I work with Andy, um, 
we spend an awful lot of time doing research and development on projects and to be honest um, we'll do that um, for as long as we need to to get an idea rolling yeah. and for as long as we need to to get a partner or a theatre on board that that can see what it is we're doing and then give it the space and time to develop yeah. um, so we've got a couple of shows happening later this year that that hopefully will work in that respect but the big thing for us um, is that we're creating this work and we want to make sure that aside from me wanting to share in the same way that people shared with me along the yeah. way um, there's a small pool of people doing this work um, it's not that small as a lot yeah. hundreds and hundreds of them but but it's a very select group um, there was a big um, debate for a while that was raging I hope it's calmed down now um, but maybe it'll flare up every other year about why are we employing actors to yeah. do puppetry what about puppeteers and I guess it's the same conversation that does happen around musicians and actor yeah. musicians yeah. and it's complex and I won't pretend yeah. to solve it yeah. uh, all I can say is, is from my own point of view um, that uh, I'm interested in employing, employing actors as puppeteers I'm interested in puppeteers as well um, as actors but, right you know? but, I, but I work as a director I yeah. work with actors and I work in, in, a, in a format and in a structure that most actors are familiar with, yep. and with a language and an approach to acting um, that we can communicate well with. Mm. Um, and I do enjoy teaching, yes, but, but if I can equip those people uh, with the skills to perform a story with a puppet, um, then we have so much common ground in terms of the sensitivities and conversations around performance yeah. um, that I, I think it flies. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, uh, I guess the other um, angle would be to write, I'm going to find a whole load of puppeteers who haven't acted and I'm going to teach them to act. Yeah. I, to be honest, I think I'm a better puppet teacher than I am a, uh, an I acting teacher. teacher. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I, I don't know what the results would be. Um, uh, but also, if we're realistic about it, yeah. um, it's not like there are thousands and thousands of puppeteers. Yeah. Um, and also, a lot of the puppeteers um, will have... I mean, the, there's lots of... Um, puppetry being created and always has been um, where it's just sort of pure puppet sh shows and it's not yeah. about acting uh, alongside puppets yeah. like say Warhorse um, but also there's a lot of uh, puppeteers whose experience might be predominantly television yeah. uh, might be predominantly talking puppets you know uh, a la Avenue Q or, yeah. or the Muppets um, these are all very distinct in different areas so they would all require another area of creativity yeah. to be trained or fulfilled. It just so happens that for me, I can work with actors and I feel that I have some success creatively yeah. in, in, in developing their puppeteering um, and puppetry skills. Um, so that's one area of, of, of things. But the big area that, that we're all aware of at the moment is diversity, yeah. um, about the range and, and backgrounds and, and, and people that are involved in various, whether it's business, arts yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I happen to be a straight white man. Yeah. Um, Andy and I uh, are, are not the most diverse yeah. looking yeah. company uh, <laughs> at the moment. We can't help that, yeah. but we can, um, we can help. Um, Reach out. You can yeah, we can make a difference in terms of, of, of the range of people that are involved in our projects yeah. um, I'm not saying that we're, we're, the, we're the sort of industry leaders in it yeah. we're, we're having a go um, but one of the ways we can do that is by um, offering to train people yeah. because if you've got a predominantly let's say let's pick the obvious category you've got yeah. a predominantly white male yeah. um, uh, community of say um, uh, actors or puppeteers or actor puppeteers um, if you then say right well we're just going to audition we're going to work with a casting director to make sure um, that we're reaching out to as broad a spectrum of people as possible and yep. um, they're not going to have to um, have this experience they can be coming from a different angle but if we can spot the ability to to learn if we can find a creative 
um, person who, who feels like they're going to spark off well with us, yeah. then we can train them. Yeah. And, and so over each project, what we tend to do, say you've got five puppeteers or whatever, is we might get a couple of, of, uh, of like um, experienced puppeteers that we've had a really good time working yep. with, and they're really solid bet. We might get someone who's um, done a bit of work, but um, we haven't really worked with them much, but we'd really like to sort of see if we can get on with them. And then what we aim to do is always have one or two people who are new, yeah. uh, who are new to it, who we definitely know need the training, who are going to be in safe hands with a team that's got experience. Yeah. Um, and, and that we have got the time and that we're interested in not just training them but what they offer to the rehearsal room yeah. in terms of um, bringing something different we're all bringing different angles I don't want to just create shows with Andy that are sort of like echoes of Warhorse. Yeah. you know it's a beautiful show I'll forever love it um, but there's a danger in working with the same people over and over again the same impulses the same language that we use um, and uh, if it means spending a bit more time um, training people a bit more time developing a rehearsal room mm. and the language and the shared vocabulary or the shared creative um, vision if, if, if that's what we need to do um, then then we're up for it it's exciting and we hope that in terms of the, the environment that we have you know in five to ten years if we keep doing this yeah if one or two people on every show um, we've been pushing and fighting to make sure that they're not just from our bunch of mates that we love dearly you know um, then in 10 years time um, the sort of ecology yeah. of the puppetry picture yeah. is going to have shifted the bubble is definitely um, you know, so that's another reason why teaching is really important for us it yeah. means we, we reach out it means we have people coming to us um, and then uh, hopefully over time we can we can shake things up yeah. a little bit and your workshop so you're going to Norway you've got a workshop coming up in March as well that yeah. I know there are still some places available you know it's, it's crazy and uh, we, an we announced um, we did these last year we announced them um, then a couple of weeks ago that we were just going to do this weekend of, yeah um, so this the first one is for um, design and making of puppets okay and again I'll, I'll hold my hands up this is not me teaching uh, teaching the mysterious wonders of all puppetry making in yeah. the world I'm one puppet designer and one maker there are a, a load of amazing makers uh, and puppet designers out there this is my approach picked yep. up and developed in my way inspired by all the people it's I've sort of yeah, stood on the shoulders of um, but it's uh, a design and making workshop um, and we announced it and then I think 48 hours later it was full um, which is brilliant what does that say um, you know it says that there's an appetite doesn't and, it I mean I guess the sad thing about <clears> that is that those people who will be great to work with are probably people who have got their finger on the pulse in terms yeah. of this area yeah. so, so we, we opened another workshop up because sometimes you need something to sort of sit around a bit out yeah. there until someone who maybe wouldn't have come forward or someone who might recommend it to someone who maybe they wouldn't have if it had just sort of disappeared yeah. like that. Oh, it must be for the people who know how to make stuff or people who are kind of in that field. Um, so we announced another one, um, just wanting to keep it out there a bit longer just because, you know, maybe there is someone who's thinking, oh, I'd, I'd kind of yeah. be up for that, but I don't know if it's my thing, right? Yeah. I don't know if that's my, is that my, is that my kind of, that my yeah. kind of place to go yeah, to. Yeah. Um, are those two guys? Yeah. <laughs> Do they look like they're going to be they're going to be sort of receptive to what I've got? Yeah. Um, uh, so we announced another one. It's pretty much full up. I think there's a handful of places left. Okay. We'll continue to run workshops. We've got more performance ones coming up. Well, that's um, great. That's for, for performance, which yeah. is uh, something that we get very excited about. So we'll be announcing those soon. But um, yeah, it's important to sort of put it out there, and 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 we're really open. We, we try to sort of say it, and I hope it doesn't come across as sort of too cheesy and sort of glib. But we're constantly putting out on on Instagram and Twitter, um, you know, messages of listen, just. Just get in touch. Yeah. You know, if, if you've got an idea and you just want, you know, we can't, 
spend hours and hours with everyone in the world. But, but if you've got an idea or if you're wanting to explore something around puppetry, if you've got questions, if you're a young maker or yeah. a young performer, um, if you're a teacher yeah. and you've got a student who's like the one pupil in the class who just seems to be really into making and maybe puppetry might be their thing. Get in touch. Um, like get in touch. Yeah. And if I haven't got the answer, yeah. and I won't have all the answers, then maybe I can point you to someone who's got better answers. You yeah. know? But um, yeah, it's we're, we're well, waving like, our hands. This is the way that this is the way that social media could work because that's how I reached out to you on Instagram. Mm. You know, we we're sitting here today, less than a week later, you know, a week and a half later, whatever, talking about how people can get into puppetry and, and yeah. at least come, you know, ask a question. That's that's the best thing. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. How can they come and ask you, Jimmy, a question yeah. about the business or where can I go or what's a great yeah. drop school? Anything. And if I you're spend, open to that, so I, I, well, I spend I I probably spend about an hour a day on Instagram. Uh, aside from sort of putting stuff up there yeah. to keep sort of saying, look, here's what I'm up to, uh, got any questions. Um, yeah. I also probably spend about an hour a day answering messages from people. Yeah. At the moment, I've got an ongoing uh, an ongoing conversation with a, a teacher somewhere in America, mm. and she's got a really cool high school class, and yeah. they're making a massive wolf. Nice. And uh, she's throwing questions and pictures back and forth, and you know, it takes me a couple of minutes, I'll write a reply, um, and then I'll get another picture back and, and so on. Uh, again, like when I was on Warhorse yep. and, and, and David Couch, you so kind of somebody said, time. what have you got? Yeah. And, and so um, when I say, you know, get in touch, I might not be the best at getting back to everyone uh, instantly, but I do try. So, um, uh, yeah, it's very meant, meant from the heart. That. Excellent. Well, we'll, listen, we'll, put, um, we'll put all the kind of contact details in the show notes and, and everybody can kind of look at, you know, uh, look at what you've done and, and you're kind of... Um, you know what you're working on now and all that kind of stuff and the workshops and um, hopefully uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll come along to one of the workshops and, and have a yeah, look and see what yeah, you're doing yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. but Jimmy thank you so much for talking to me today man okay. and um, good luck all the best man. Jimmy Grimes one half of the puppetry company Brunskill and Grimes now before I go just a few housekeeping bits if you're the theater professional, go on over to curtaincallonline.com and sign up for a free profile page. Just need to create an account with an email address, make up a cool password, away you go. Let the world know what you're up to. You can follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Curtain Call, and you can follow me, at John Schwab. We'd love to hear from you if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast. Get in touch with us via any of the social media platforms I just mentioned, or write to me personally at john at curtaincallonline.com. And that's John with an H. It just leaves me to say a huge thank you to Jimmy Grimes. Make sure you check out his and their website for upcoming workshops. You can also follow Jimmy on Twitter at Jimmy underscore Grimes and Andy Brunskill at Andy underscore Brunskill. Uh, the company uh, is at Brunskill Grimes. Brunskill Grimes. Let me just make that. It's B-R-U-N-S-K-I-L-L-G-R-I-M-E-S. The boys also have an Instagram account, and I will put those links in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Curtain Call Theater podcast. Remember to check out our series, Welcome to the Rock. If you haven't, you also find on this feed, and I will catch you all next week. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.